0: While insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity.
1: Well, I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman.
0: Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've taught me, yet. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Mid Lives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And this is episode 44. 44? 44. It's 44? 44. It's 44. I'm a little addled. Um, <laughs> I have, it, it was American Thanksgiving this week, uh, on Thursday. It is now Sunday, which means I have been stuffed with fucking animal protein and carbohydrates constantly for roughly 72 hours. And I'm lucky I know what day it is.
2: I would like to thank you for finishing the turkey today.
0: Hey. <laughs> Believe me, I'm glad it's fucking gone. <laughs> it was very good, but Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> it's if you're not American and you're not familiar with the concept, it is basically yeah, the entire country except for retail workers who need to sell shit to Christmas shoppers on Fridays to get Thursday and Friday off and everybody's family, some of whom you inevitably hate, um <laughs> tend to show up at somebody's door. And you cook a giant turkey and mashed potatoes and just shit that's really fucking terrible for you.
2: Yeah. And
0: on Thursday at about 2.30, you stuff yourself retarded and drink heavily and...
2: Because relatives.
0: Yeah. Because, yeah, there are relatives I simply cannot <laughs> speak to, even remotely sober. Thankfully, my brother didn't show up. But... So, yeah, I mean, we did it kind of low-key. You know, it was, it was just your mom. Yes. And... She's used to seeing me drunk and flailing, and <laughs> humiliating myself. So. Oh, I it's a day. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't feel any particular problem about it. But yeah, when it's all said and done, you're just, you get like an 18 pound turkey. You can't possibly eat most of it. So just for days and days, it's turkey and eggs for breakfast and a turkey <laughs> sandwich for lunch and.
2: I will say, though, that the mashed potato casserole I made might have been my life's masterwork.
0: Oh, that was not a casserole. That was a delivery device for diabetes. That's <laughs> all that it was. It was loaded
2: and with- And high cholesterol. Let's not forget the high cholesterol. Yeah, it's
0: just a question of whether my pancreas or my heart quits first. It's really a like Four erased. pounds
2: of potatoes and about two cups of heavy cream and a couple of whole eggs so that it goes poof in the oven. It oh. was glorious. Oh, and a pound of cheese. Oh, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You and know,
2: chives because they're healthy, right? Well, yeah, you don't yeah.
0: want it to be bland with a heavy cream and cheese and salt. <laughs> so yeah, you just it, there's a reason Americans have a reputation of just obese spastics, and I think it starts on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the turkey is finally gone, and the sad thing is, within 24 hours, we were so sick of turkey. Amanda said, "I think it's steak. Go get a couple of three quarter pound ribeyes." <laughs> So I was yeah. I was gluttonous against two phylums of species. What do you call them? Uh, I want to be biologically correct. Since you,
2: I... you demonstrated gluttony towards two sure phylums of. No, actually three, because there was there was bacon in at least one other thing. So there was pork was represented. All right. So if it walks on
0: four <laughs> or <laughs> two four hooves, <laughs> yeah. uh, I I turned it into poop. It was- <laughs> So yeah, it's just been three days of uh, damn near the meat sweats, and
2: I should probably eat like something from the lettuce family sometime in the next day or so, just for karma. <laughs> you, you
0: shut your filthy fucking
2: mouth! <laughs> By God, Thanksgiving is the is the alpha and omega for American obesity. Frankly.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> we, we all have to go back to our day jobs tomorrow, and I think I will. Uh, I think we should order Chinese food.
2: I think we should.
0: So I think we should. So, yeah, it's just been days of being low and almost impossible to get excited about anything except the next meal.
2: Yeah, it's like, you know, 72 hours of, God, my heart is racing and my, my mouth is dry. What's wrong with me? Oh, high sodium.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, normally that's the case. There was one particular very exciting event this th- that occurred over this, this weekend. And if you're listening to the show, you're the prime demographic. This this sounds familiar. Yes, you've heard this. There's been
2: an awakening.
0: Not me, I'm Have not you awake. Felt it? But In my pants? <laughs> yeah, so so yes, the uh Star Wars Episode seven trailer uh finally dropped on Friday. And if you're anything like us, we watch it like five times in a row. Yes, that's Rolly Ball Droid number seven or whatever the fuck they call him. <laughs> Ball Droid. Ball Droid. He has his own Twitter. It's awesome. That's going to be my porn name. I've decided.
2: He's he's actually got, and I respect him for it, a tweet that says, they see me rolling, they be hating. <laughs>
0: right. Actually, I saw, I saw a great animated GIF, and I may make it the art. Oh, wait. wait. Say it. And the light. And, <laughs> yes, so...
2: Just picture the Millennium Falcon. Yes, so... Get your hands out of your pants.
0: So, yeah, the, the Episode 7 trailer finally dropped on Friday. And, yeah, if you're anything like us, we watched it four or five times in a row. It, one of us found it on our phones, and then we dialed it up on the, the TiVo so we could watch it on the big screen TV. And then we rewatched it two or three times. Then we sat there and examined all the goddamn minutia and... <laughs>
2: There's actually a Lego version supposedly out there already. Um, I wasn't able to dial it up successfully on my
0: phone. Well, some people are. Some people have a lot of free time and are a hell of a lot better <laughs> at building things than I am. Yeah, I never had Legos because I had Star Wars toys. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I mean, it, the way they did this is similar to how they did the Phantom Menace back in 1998, except. Yeah, because the the original announcement from J.J. J. Abrams was they were going to release it in a few theaters uh on Friday, and there was like only one you know here in the Boston area, so there wasn't a chance we were going to even try and get there. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time in in '98 they released it on the internet. You now the difference was the fastest internet connection most people had access to was a blistering 56k <laughs> modem. So, so the movie it opened in front of was meet joe black yeah so yeah what you had was people lining up around the block to go see meet joe black and certainly not for the blistering monotone of brad pitt's performance like in every fucking movie he did in the 90s but it was people were showing up they'd watch the trailer and then they would fuck off and leave the theater immediately before the movie started so they could do they
2: missed anthony hopkins tour de force of uh Whoever he was in that movie.
0: Oh, of course. (laughs) Because, yeah, when Anthony Hopkins dies, he's going to say, thank God I did Meet Joe Joe fucking Black with (laughs) Brad Pitt and the girl from Mallrats. Yeah. That's not a resume. Believe me, Anthony Hopkins has scraped that fucker off his resume already. (laughs) He did it probably before they said rap. But, but yeah, it was also released on, like, Apple.com and StarWars.com. But, yeah, the difference is, and I did the math on it, If you wanted to get it, it took an hour to download the high def version. Good Lord. And that was assuming, you know, your call waiting didn't go off from, (laughs) you know, or or your mom didn't pick up the other extension to scream at you about the bag of foliage that she found in your shoes or something. (laughs) So you actually had to go to the movies. But now it was just a, yeah, release it on YouTube at the same time and everybody knew within 15 minutes. So. Yeah. Now. It was weird when the trailer was coming out. I knew it was coming out on Friday and I really didn't care all that much because back in, and I went back through our archives, episode 19, the, the first one that we, uh, we had Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks guest with us on. Mm-hmm. We were not, at least I was not particularly looking forward to episode seven at that point. Mostly because of episode one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cause yeah, that was, that was the one that Trebuchet and I, we, called out with skywalking pneumonia (laughs) and we went on Friday to a matinee and walked out and looked at each other. It's like, do we like that even a little bit? I mean,
2: why does my bunghole feel tingly?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't say that in regards to any time I was near Trebuchet. Trebuchet. Yeah. don't get out (laughs) of ears. But, uh, and then, yeah, I went with another friend the next day and I walked out and I was just, you know, it was like, I've been beaten around the head and neck of, Oh my God, I waited how long for this? So, so yeah, after that, yeah, I pirated episode two, and I went to a, a free screening of episode three. I, I haven't, yeah, I've bought them on Blu-ray since, but I haven't paid for a Star Wars movie since episode one. And you know, plus, like we talked about in that episode, you know, if you watch the original movies, Han Solo's still thirty-five and dashing, and Luke's yeah. athletic, and Leia can still fit into the metal bikini. <laughs> so. You know, there's always a question of, do do we want to see Han Solo stumbling around with a busted hip? Or Mark Hamill constantly patting his back pocket to make sure the paycheck they gave him is still there and real?
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm happy to see Harrison Ford in just about anything. Um, I think Mark Hamill has actually only gone on to become a better actor, at least certainly through his voice characterizations. (laughs) <laughs> As he's gotten older, because you, you and I sat down and albeit drunkenly, we oh, yeah. watched um, the original trilogy, or at least I got through about um, the first one in half of Empire and then promptly fell asleep on the couch. But... Yeah,
0: I, I barely made it through <laughs> about half of Jedi. But yeah. Was... But
2: the, you know, the, the, the goggle eyed Mark Hamill of A New Hope, <laughs> golly.
0: <laughs> I think those droids are going to work out just fine. You know, is is nowhere
2: near the nuance he's able to bring to just friggin' line readings as he goes on to become yeah, the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I I actually would be really curious to see his older version of of Luke Ford. It'll it'll really depend on what they choose to do with him in the story because I've already seen him wandering around as old Indiana Jones and
0: it didn't work for me particularly well. Oh, um. <laughs> no, that never happened. He only did the three movies, and that was the end of it. Was it a
2: fever dream brought on by too much turkey It's meth?
0: It's, <laughs> is that what you stuff the turkey with?
2: No, because cause stuffing is evil. That's what Alton Brown tells us. <laughs> oh, fuck Alton Brown. But... I put it under the skin.
0: <laughs> so you're skin-popping the meth.
2: Sure. Yeah, okay. If this by co- meth you mean um, fennel. <laughs>
0: No, miss. I certainly (laughs) do fucking not mean
2: fennel. As as far as I'm concerned, for anyone who's listening, I meant fennel.
0: Of course. Yeah, sell a bag of fennel over by the playground and see how far you get. (sighs)
2: This this conversation's gone sideways. But anyway, old Harrison Ford.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things. For years, he said he would never do Han Solo again. He always said he would do Indiana Jones again. And yes, I'll admit I've seen the movie and it certainly did not work out.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: which is another danger sign for, you know, uh, episode seven. Do I really need to see these characters again? They had their ending. They won. Yeah. Every time I put in, yeah, every time I put in that Blu-ray, they're still young and vital and it's still just, it takes me back to being a kid. You know, this could go so completely wrong. So yeah, I was, I was looking far more ahead to the Marvel slate of movies and even the, the DC Warner Brothers that were coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly was going to see Star Wars when it came out, but it was not like, you know, oh boy, it's the excitement (laughs) that I had for The Phantom Menace because I got fucked by The Phantom Menace. Yeah. And then this trailer came out on Friday, and holy fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) I think
2: it's exciting that they have enough footage already to string together 88 seconds of what amounts to just an extended teaser
0: trailer. Well, yeah, and you know, at least a few special effect shots yeah it, you know, it really doesn't take that you know at this point you know i've said for years you know with a home computer you know you give me adobe after effects in enough time i can make star wars so a few effect shots it's cool they got them but yeah it is certainly i guarantee you, nowhere near a completed form at this point
2: oh i'm sure um all right so let's talk about what we saw in the trailer
0: <laughs> okay well first of all he J.J. J. Abrams put this together for the purposes of building up hype for Gen Xers, who, yeah. fe- basically my demographic. I was five years old when Star Wars came out, and I felt completely burned by the prequels. Mm-hmm. And so for people like me, and there's a hell of a lot of us, he put it together absolutely brilliantly. He had to put in things that were familiar from the original trilogy. So we got a dude in a Stormtrooper outfit right out of the gate. Um, we saw some form of speeder bike. We saw ek- X wings. Yep. And even more importantly than showing Luke or Leia or Han Solo, you show the Millennium Falcon, which is as close to a character. Yeah. That doesn't speak as you can get in that movie. And he's one that he hasn't aged. She still looks yep. good. Performs the <laughs> same and doesn't hobble like a 75 year old man who busted his fucking <laughs> hip. So, doesn't have to fight for screen times and she'll Yeah, so, um, you know, and frankly, and you hate to say this because it's cynical. He gave what, considering most fans have seemed excited about over the years, particularly since the prequel started, he gave him lightsaber porn.
2: Yeah, he gave us a lightsaber made out of other lightsabers. It, <laughs> it's, it's like a dick made out yeah. of other dicks. No,
0: <laughs> dog, I heard you like lightsabers. <laughs> That's not a terrible one. But, um, I mean, it, honestly, this kind of thing's been going on since the third movie, which was the first one where at least I figured out, and I think most of us did, that they could actually build new lightsabers. Yeah. Because it was always, you know, it's an elegant, ancient weapon. And you know, if you look, there aren't huge differences between Luke's lightsaber and Obi-Wan's lightsaber and Darth Vader's lightsaber in the first couple of movies. Um, so yeah, until, but it's Je- a rite of passage though, that you have to be able to build your own. Yeah. But that was never introduced until Jedi. Is it? Yeah. That, nobody ever said anything about that until Jedi. Okay. And frankly, it was a practical problem because he lost his lightsaber when he got his fucking hand cut off.
2: True. I mean, I I fell asleep in the middle of Empire. So, <laughs> well,
0: not every time you've seen. <laughs> no, but I
2: I, I don't re- I don't remember the the of of the lightsaber
0: yeah, the, construction. Yeah, the whole oh it's a rite of passage that a Jedi needs to create his own lightsaber it, that only came out even after the third movie because was it, it was a practical problem he yeah. needed a lightsaber so he built one. So, yeah, up until then, I always assumed they were like vintage Studebaker parts. <laughs> You know, you could find them if you really needed them and really wanted to hunt around for them, but there was some factory that made them back in the Clone Wars, and now that factory is now a place where one can dump a body or something. You
2: can only find them on an intergalactic eBay. Yeah, so... And now it's all like, oh, you can Etsy that shit up.
0: (laughs) I mean, apparently. (laughs) So, you know, and yeah, the thing was, you got to admit it, when the Phantom Menace trailer dropped... That was the thing everybody was most excited about. Cause there were no X-Wings or characters you knew anything about. You could, you know, pick right. out, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. But, you know, otherwise, it was Darth Maul, who didn't have a fucking line almost in that movie and disappeared like he never mattered cause he didn't matter. It was his double-bladed fucking lightsaber. Yeah. yeah and ever since then, it's been some form of lightsaber porn. There was Yoda's little toothpick mm-hmm. and Samuel L. Jackson's. Purple? Yeah. His gold-plated purple dolomite lightsaber <laughs> that might be a title too um maybe not um, and yeah then count Dooku had that curved jointed g-spot tickler with the clip bumper i feel dirty <laughs> i feel dirty watching it <laughs> so uh, yeah it's almost at this point you almost have to have lightsaber porn so the broad saber or whatever w- was in this was you know it, he Abrams had to have it,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, but that was that was what lit up the internet as far as I could tell is then there were suddenly giant debates about, well, why would you make a cross guard out of other lightsabers? if the purpose is to keep you from chopping your own hand off, it's made out of
0: lasers. that seems stupid well <laughs> you know what i'm I'm willing to accept that, I'm willing to take on faith that yeah you know, of course, somebody carrying a lightsaber with the cross hilt lightsabers should be walking around with. Massive burn scars across <laughs> his hips, thighs, and his balls. Of course it doesn't make any sense, but if you try to make too much sense out of something in Star Wars, you fuck it up. That's true. And episode one is a perfect example. You know, it was for three movies, what is it? It's the Force. That's all you need to know. It's the Force. It's out there. It's the Force. And some people can feel it and try to make sense of it. Oh, no, it's midichlorians. He's got a high chlorian, and George Lucas fucked it beyond human comprehension to the point he never mentioned it again. Yeah. And we will never hear about it if Disney cranks one of these out every 18 months for the next 100 years.
2: I do hope it goes away because somebody, somebody else I read online in one of the various forums brought up the point that, um, you know, you, you want to aspire to, to become a Jedi as a kid. You know, you watch these movies, like, yeah! I want to be a Jedi! Except for, like, the really tiny, like, few sociopathic kids that want to be, like, you know, Darth Vader or something. But most of us want to be a Jedi. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so then you find out that um, the Jedi are a celibate order, so they're not having sex, they're not reproducing, and on top of that, you can only become a Jedi if you have this magical bacteria count. So where is this coming from? <laughs> uh, yeah. Now it's an elitist order, and fuck you, you can't get in.
0: Yeah, it's a, you dump your kids in early, and just brain Wash him into following the. Like some Montessori
2: school for the bacterially challenged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a decent title. why you go with that? But. So, yeah, I mean, certainly when we played Star Wars in the schoolyard, I always wanted to be Han Solo. That somehow seemed more achievable. Yeah. Han didn't look like he had to spend a lot of time in school to get where he was. It was. <laughs> yeah, learn how to slap leather quick under the. Not even quick, just under the table while nobody's looking. <laughs> And scream and then run away when there's too many stormtroopers. Yeah. So Han Solo was always where I was going. But, so yeah, the idea of a lightsaber with other lightsabers sticking out to protect the hand,
2: uh,
0: yes, it's completely impractical and stupid. But, you know, what protects the guy? The Force. I'm willing to accept that. It Perhaps. looks It looks cool, <laughs> and I'll, I'll go with that.
2: Although I think in the extended canon, not that they're supposed to be using any of it, isn't there supposed to be some sort of substance out there now that's supposed to be impervious to the lasers in a lightsaber?
0: Uh, yeah, unobtaining. I have.
2: No idea. <laughs> I... Maybe, maybe the guy lost his hands, and that's a nod to the other uh, other movies and where somebody loses a hand, and now his hands are made out of that substance. Well,
0: all right, let, <clears throat> let's talk about that in a minute. Okay. So. So, all right. Do you want to break it down? Because I went through and, and took notes as I was going through. It's a
2: lightsaber made out of the lightsabers. <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> Yo, <Your> dog. <laughs> all right. So, all right, we got to talk about the first most important thing that I think everybody was looking for in this trailer. Lens flare. Yes. It's a J.J. JJ Abrams <laughs> movie. So, you know, it's only a matter of times we're going to see lens flare. And... Amanda, you and I set an over-under bet yep. as to how quickly it would show up in the trailer. Now, I sort of went off the top of my head based on the other J.J. Abrams movies and about how often it shows up, and I went with something just over 20%. So I set it 11 seconds, over-under.
2: And Abrams, a master of restraint, waited until 46 seconds. Yes,
0: 46 seconds. <laughs> if you're looking for the lens flare, go to the 46 second, and it's when the... The X wings are skimming over the water. Yep. There you've got your lens flare. So
2: it shows up again later with the Millennium Falcon near the end.
0: Does it? Yeah. I didn't notice it there because I was it's too busy staring at the Millennium yeah, Falcon. Falcon. I, I <laughs> said, <"Millenium laughs> oh, I'm I'm nine again. But um, all right. So other than that, the the trailer itself starts out looks like Tatooine. Yep. At least it's a desert. A desert on a planet, if not a desert planet. Yep. And then an actual human being stands up in a stormtrooper outfit. I believe that's the kid from Attack the Block. Okay. Um so this was smart because it's a very initial quick message of their actual people and locations in this. Um and that's that's the first thing that we show you as And opposed- if it is
2: Tatooine, it takes it back to Tatooine.
0: Yeah, but I don't care about that because Lucas did that right in the Phantom Menace and <laughs> then then he had a child racing big jet engines and who gives a shit?
2: And Shmi or Shmoo or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, the the virgin birth of the worst <laughs> actor in human history. So, yeah, the, the idea of revisiting Tatooine, we revisited it. Did they go back to it in Revenge of the Sith? I know they did in both Clones and Phantom Menace. I
2: don't, I think they might have because um, it didn't, didn't Christensen go back and then wipe out like all of those sand people? That was
0: in Clones. Is that in
2: Clones? They all run together at this point. And... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I've only seen Revenge of the Sith when I saw it at that screening. Yeah. At this point, I own them all on Blu-ray. And honestly, I bought them all on DVD because when they were coming out, it's easy to forget now, but when DVD was a new format, the prequels came out on a normal release schedule of six months after the movie's but the the original uh trilogy wasn't out yet. Yeah. So I was buying them even though I never watched them. I was buying them just to send a message to George Lucas. Look, there's a market for your shit on DVD. <laughs> yeah, now everybody streams everything and nobody gives a shit about DVD, but that was really important when it was a brand new format to show, yeah. "We'll buy your shit. Please give it to us." Right. And I'm still the same way with Blu-ray. I'm I'm in the minority. I don't stream a hell of a lot. If I want to own it, I want to own it. Yeah. So yeah, when they came out on Blu-ray, I got the big extended edition, including the prequels, even though they did sell them that you get the original trilogy separate from the prequel trilogy, but you got extra special features if you got the whole nut, so I figured, mm-hmm. uh, alright, for an extra $30, I'll just never watch them, and I never have. <laughs> so, so yeah, just Tatooine in and of itself doesn't do anything for me. It's been revisited, so I don't care. Okay. Um. So, yeah, after that, then we get ball droid seven or, yes uh spinning along yep the c-3po's left testicle or yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to call it
2: yeah we're we're, n- we're not sure what his purpose is other than you know hey kids here's a cool droid that you're gonna want at
0: christmas <laughs> yeah well it's number one it, it's cute yeah it's reminiscent of it, r2d2 it was it was but it, it also sends the message you know there's also going to be modern special effects here so you know don't get a boner thinking about John Dykstra and Dennis Murin digging the old motion capture cameras out and finding some fucking intern to move the ad at like a millimeter every 10 minutes all day long. <laughs> so
2: I would say who gets a boner from that kind of thing, but I'm sure there's a niche
0: group. <laughs> a, a niche group? Have you been to San Diego Comic-Con and walked past the 501st? They'd volunteer to do it and pay the special effects guys for the for the privilege. So, yeah, that's people would do it. Yes. Um all right, so we moved from from yeah, the C3PO's nut <laughs> to um stormtroopers. Yes. Most importantly, a bunch of stormtroopers in some kind of drop ship which indicates some kind of organized enemy. Right. Cuz it would be really easy to try to come up with some kind of story of I don't know, the alliance with some kind of guerrilla warfare from mm. old empire uh
2: loyalists, loyalists
0: yeah. you know picking and shooting at them and i
2: or has the empire arisen again we don't know
0: yeah or, or was that the actual final defeat by killing the emperor or did somebody else take the reins so yeah. the, the important thing is it's a battle of armies and not alliance soldiers sweeping for ieds or patting down children for lightsaber vests or shit like that <laughs>
2: Somewhere in here, there was also the girl on the on the latter day
0: speeder. Yep, that was next.
2: Looks like a thumb drive.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> or it, a just, chocolate pudding pop. Some kind of speeder bike that once loved a cast iron bathtub very, very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, But at least that's a nod to Jedi, some yep. kind of speeder bike. Um, and then the X-Wings. The, you got to yeah. have the X-Wings. Yeah. That's important. I miss the X-Wings. Although, if you look closely, and I did, because I got <laughs> shit to do, and <laughs> at this point, I've eaten so much, I couldn't get out of my chair. Um, They're not the old school Incom T-65 X-Wings. Oh. um, And yes. Oh, look
2: at you, looking yes, that like is, you know things. that is
0: the manufacturer <laughs> and the actual model number, because <laughs> I pissed away my adolescence.
2: No, no, you didn't. You yeah.
0: Married, maybe a little. Yeah, yeah and- uh, at least they were better than uh, the Z ninety five Headhunter that predated them. Could somebody please help me?
2: You know, you got to wait till I have a mouthful of water and could potentially snarf all over your expensive equipment. Oh, that
0: microphone's <laughs> cheap. I'll take another one out of the closet. Yeah, keep away from the mixer. But uh, yeah, no, don't. no never mind. Fuck it. This thing's not even set up. Uh, I was gonna do more sound clips, but I promised no. I wouldn't. So, um. Also, the wings on these fighters aren't parallel, up and down, the mm. way they were in the movies. The the bottom wings forward. Oh, are they? Yeah. But <laughs> precisely in the Did way- Did you throw away
2: all the Kleenex when you were done?
0: <laughs> uh, I might have missed some in the corner, <laughs> but- Believe me, I think we've established I shouldn't reproduce, so this really isn't a problem for anybody. And yeah, just based on how you're looking at me, who who gives a shit? They're X wings. The important yes. thing is there are X Wing fighters in episode seven and then not these bright silver reflective things that look like a you know, a blackbird. <laughs> um they're the dumb ships from the prequel that nobody fucking remembers or gives a shit about. Okay. So yeah, X wings. Um hold on, I have notes I have to share here. <laughs> Um,
2: I have notes!
0: <laughs> yep. Okay, and then, yeah, we we got the new lightsaber. Yes. And we've kind of... Yeah.
2: And and the form, uh, the speculation is that it's Adam Driver who is supposed to play some sort of Sith villain in this movie.
0: Well, it's possible, and based on body type, that's probably what it is. But yes, yeah, somebody on Twitter remarked, yeah, it looks like the kind of lightsaber, and you brought it up, mm-hmm. that, that one who's got an inordinate fear of losing their hand would have. Mm. So... Well yeah, the body type doesn't really match up.
2: I I don't know really what Adam Driver looks like cuz I don't watch girls. Um so I it could be him, it could be um the voiceover was apparently done by Andy Circus. So that yeah, could it, have been Andy Circus all hunched over and shit. Yeah. Um I saw somebody get all excited because uh Gwendolyn Christie is supposedly in this and they saw Broadsword and they just got excited and thought it was her. <laughs>
0: I don't even know who that is. Tell um you.
2: she she's Brienne from Game of Thrones.
0: Oh, okay. So I suppose it's possible that it,
2: there there are Lady Sith apparently in the uh the post-empire world according to those who pay attention to such things. I I don't watch um whatever the, the Clone Saga stuff is, so
0: Yeah, and I've been meaning to dial up Star Wars Rebels, but yeah. know, again, until the trailer hit my excitement level for episode 7 was eh, all right, I'll see it when it comes out. So um so yeah, not possible that Luke turned to the dark side, but yeah, I tend to doubt it just based on the body type.
2: Yeah, probably not Luke, but it would be kind of cool if it was.
0: <laughs> It'd be very cool, actually. <laughs> I could get behind that. I did all this and it didn't matter. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Nothing really matters. And I, I,
0: I defeated the Emperor, and then I was waiting in line at the space convenience store, and some motherfucking Wookiee <laughs> was just sitting there buying goddamn lottery tickets. <laughs> all I want is my fucking Snapple. <laughs> I snapped and I lightened him in the face. <laughs> I said the dark side's working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I mean, and not just the Millennium Falcon, there were a couple of old school looking tie fighters there. Yeah. So the combination of the two, I've watched this trailer at least 6 times and I still get chills. Yeah. Every time I see the Millennium Falcon.
2: Yeah, the they... It, it it erupts from below and and does a, a beautiful graceful arc up into the air and you go yeah and suddenly you're six again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was that was all it took and you know it, and clearly enough thought was put into it. It was a Trebuchet who pointed out uh, on Twitter um, they change the radar dish that's right now it's square because yeah lando knocked that thing off flying through the death star and mm-hmm. jedi so there's that much attention to detail there's little stuff like that it's like oh uh, okay yeah now it's i'm excited to get <laughs> 88 seconds to do it they're like i'm a freshman in high school again 88 seconds to excitement and, <laughs> and done and can i can i do it again <laughs> um So I mean, yeah, I mean, excited to the point. Yeah, we threw on the original trilogy yesterday. Um, Just immediately diving right back into it. Um, I mean, I've been trying to figure out why it was this trailer made a difference.
2: (laughs) I think it was. I think it was because it was made with a fair amount of restraint. You know, when when the Phantom Menace one came out. Lucas went to what he had become very well known for. Here's all pretty things to look at. Yeah. Um and this was just very well chosen um set shots, some prop shots, hints at some characters and then a glorious end of old school. Yeah. With yeah. with a weird ambiguous voiceover <laughs> that told you nothing about the plot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, the the way he could have gone utterly wrong is close with a 72-year-old Han Solo saying, I got a bad feeling about this.
2: <laughs> now, that would have been glorious, actually. It would have been glorious,
0: but the wrong message to send. Yeah. <laughs> leaving a trailer. Um,
2: actually, they should have opened with it. I got a bad feeling yeah.
0: about this. <laughs> that would have been kind of cool, actually.
2: And then Stormtrooper shot in Tatooine. And then- <laughs> yeah.
0: um. Because, yeah, I mean, on one hand, Star Wars has just not been the most important, vital genre thing in my life for a long time. Yeah. It was from, like, when I was five years old until I was 12. But then the movies stopped. And two years later, even the comic books stopped. And by the time the comic books stopped, yeah, my big genre action needs were being met by comic books. Yeah, yeah. Cause yeah, that's right around them was 86. So you got Crisis on Infinite Earths and Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and then later V for Vendetta.
2: But then other stuff, you know, that was seemingly inspired by or took genre cues from were coming to the fore. You know, you had your last star, starfighter in there. You have, you know, you, um, you have Big Trouble in Little China. You have all of these other movies that are taking the groundwork that Lucas laid down. Up through 1983, and then running with it.
0: Yeah, doing really cool shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, certainly not on the scale of Star Wars, but okay. Here's some stuff that's meeting my needs. But for and yeah, another
2: alien movie in there, you know, you got.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but for for big epic action, comic books really took over for me and never really went away. I was reading comics before Star Wars and all through Star Wars, but you know, when if you were there when Star Wars was coming out, that was the yeah. thing. Um And when, yeah, when the Timothy Zahn trilogy, the Heir to the Empire trilogy came out, that bumped my interest because those are really good books. And they were the first, at that point, first Star Wars in like five years. right um But then once those hit, there was a demand and the demand was filled in by other authors and that just weren't as good and things. Right. The scope widened and everything got diffused for me. So, so yeah, it's, I read those books and then sort of tuned out at that point. And then yeah, the goddamn motherfucking prequels and mm-hmm. midichlorians, and Jar Jar Binks and oh, Sand is so coarse on my taint and, <laughs> and the whole thing's about a fucking tax dispute and you got Natalie Portman's Qualudes and Belly Button School of Acting and <laughs> Jay- wait, 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 wait. Quaaludes and Belly Button School of Acting? She just had a flat affect <laughs> through the entire trilogy. The only thing I remember was she wore the half shirt and clones. That's, <laughs> you know? And and Jake Lloyd, who was so shitty of an actor that oh, when, God, yeah. when his classmates played Star Wars on the playground, they wouldn't let him play Anakin.
2: Yeah. And he's bitter now. Like there there are some interviews with him. <laughs>
0: Oh God! He is a bitter, bitter young man. <laughs> if I was him, I'd, I'd be sitting in a dark corner with a bottle of scotch in one hand and a revolver with one round in it, in the other just whispering, "Yippee,
2: <laughs> yippee." And 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 what is Hayden Christensen doing these days? I'm guessing working at Target. <laughs> I have no
0: idea. <laughs> I mean, the the dude was in one or two other things that supposedly he was pretty good in, but I mean,
2: he would he would almost have to be.
0: Yeah, I, I <laughs> you know, the sand is so coarse. I hate them. I just hate them so much.
2: Because somebody saw him like audition, like, and do line readings, and hired him anyway.
0: <laughs> well, look, George Lucas. He needed people to hang his plot on to stand in front of a green screen. Yeah, and and that's basically it. The, you know, you hear all the stories of how he directed the. The people in the original trilogy, you know, faster, more energy, faster, more energy. <laughs> you know, that famous Harrison Ford line. You might be able to write this shit, George, but you can't say it. <laughs> so It's true. Believe it's... me, the the fact it's in somebody else's hands is a good thing. No, it's true. And everybody's game, if you notice, because we, we went straight from uh, Star Wars to Empire, everybody's acting game went way up in Empire. And yeah. it could just be as simple as, you know, I doubt everybody left the experience of being in the biggest motion picture of all time and said, I really better take some acting lessons. No, they probably got some good fucking direction for a change.
2: Yes. I think that definitely helped.
0: So, so yeah, I mean, it's, and because of that, it's easy to shit on Jake Lloyd because he really did a crappy job, but it's probably not a hundred percent his fault. No, it's true. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the prequels just sort of said, okay, star Wars is a, thing that I like but there's all this other stuff that I just like better but then you watch this trailer on the other hand when I was 5 until I was 12 Star Wars was the most important fucking thing in my life
2: yeah and you know I'm willing to I I think because it's a different director and I was overall pleased with what Abrams did with the Star
0: Trek reboot um, that was a lot of fun
2: yeah I'm willing to go where he wants to go for this movie.
0: Yeah, well, that was a lot of fun for Star Wars fans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was always more, you know, you're always more a Star Wars or a Star Trek guy. I was always more Star Wars. Yeah, The Star Trek people, a lot of them can't stand that movie because it's a Star Wars movie with the Enterprise. That's Both it. of them are.
2: Yeah, I and I get that. I get that. I, I, If my dad was still alive, I think I, I would have taken my cues from how he would have reacted to it. And I'm not sure how he would have reacted to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, Red Matter is the force. Yeah. You know, we need a thing to go back in time. We got Red Matter. So, yeah, it's it's a Star Wars movie and w- with the Enterprise. And that's fine. Because, again, I don't have a huge amount invested in Star Trek. Mm. People who do, I'm sure... Treat those two movies like we treat the prequels, and that's okay. It's a shame. Eventually, you'll get another TV series that'll be more like the original.
2: Uh, eventually, although I, I wonder, I wonder if if the the time for Star Trek on TV has sort of gone by at this point.
0: They'll they'll never let it die. I mean, they sort of ran it into the dirt, but they ran it into the dirt in the 60s. And amazingly, as as it became popular in other mediums, syndicated and whatever, yeah, somehow they found a way to bring it back. Yeah. They'll do it again. So, but yeah, I mean, I felt that way about Star Wars, and they ran it into the dirt. (laughs) And, you know, part of the obsession when I was a kid was there was no home video. Yeah. So you had to get all these other ancillary things if you wanted it. I mean, that's true. That's the only explanation why the holiday special is a thing that exists in the world. It's not because Star Wars fandom was saying, you know, I really like the sketch comedy of Harvey fucking Corman.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, to be fair, they probably did because it was around the time of the Carol Burnett show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There may have been a certain amount of crossover, but nobody was screaming for more pratfall larfs in Star Wars.
2: This is true. So this is true.
0: But I mean, yeah, when I was a kid, I had the Star Wars storybook and mm-hmm. the story of Star Wars album that had dialogue cuts and narration. Mm-hmm. So in two sides of a record, you get the whole Star Wars story.
2: We had some kind of pop up book for Empire. We got it for my sister, as I recall, um, because there was a whole whole thing with the the swamp. So you could get the um, the ship out of the swamp. I think my brother had. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think my brother. Yeah, he pulled that a tab
2: actually. and like the thing came out of the swamp.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I kind of remember that.
2: Um, we had, and I, I've talked about this on other shows, we had a book called The Art of Star Wars, and they went on from there to make an um, art of The Empire Strikes Back and art of Return of the Jedi. But, you know, I'm six years old and listening to the radio play of Star Wars on whatever radio station it was on, probably NPR or something like that. Yeah. And I would follow along. It's how I learned to read because the script was transcribed in the art of Star Wars. So I would, I would eagerly follow along. And that's how one of the ways I learned to read was just sit there every night listening to the radio play following the script.
0: Okay. Those things still hold up. I have MP3s of the original Star Wars radio drama. They did one for each of the original trilogy. And I know I used to have Empire somewhere on like cassette But yeah, those still hold up. When I used to do long drives, commuting to school, I used to love those things. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you had to get that kind of of things if you wanted a taste of Star Wars. There was, I don't know if you remember this, there was a a show called That's Hollywood. Mm. It was a syndicated show. It was narrated by Tom Bosley. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, And it was on like Saturday nights, at least where I lived. And it was basically just tom bosley narrating about the history of 20th century fox movies like mr cunningham tom
2: bosley yeah oh
0: god but in the opening (laughs) credits and the closing credits of the show they had clips of star wars okay and every once in a while when talking about their adventure movies they would they would talk about star wars i I would watch that stupid fucking show every week just in case there was star wars stuff (laughs) on it It drove my parents nuts
2: it's not gonna be this week robbie yes it is (laughs) I feel good about it this
0: time. (laughs) At the very least, I'll get to the closing credits and it'll be C3PO flailing around in circuitry on the Millennium Falcon. That's, you know, because that's the only way I could see it. You know, and yeah, we had the novelizations and the making of books. And I still remember when it was first on TV. It was before we ever had a VCR. And I remember we were visiting my grandparents. And at the time, that was still young. Uh, So yeah, it would have been 10 or 11. So I still had a bedtime. Mm. And. You know, since this is a big event, it was going like eight to eleven or something, and yeah, with my, commercials, yeah. <laughs> and my parents said the only way you can stay up is if you sleep in the car on the way home. I sat there with my eyes shut, grinding my <laughs> teeth with my head against the window for the entire two and a half hour drive home, so I could stay up until eleven <laughs> to watch Star Wars because that would have been the only time I could have seen it yeah. since you know one of the theater re releases. So, so yeah, it's it it meant so much at that time even though it's kind of been tarnished yeah to get some of the base elements right like they did in the trailer that's all it takes yeah you know it's a you never forget your first that's true you know it doesn't matter if she hurt you or fucked you <laughs> over you know someday if the and you know it's not a good idea to deal with them anymore but if the phone rings it's always in the back of your mind it's like oh, maybe this time it'll work <laughs> maybe this time we won't go to Naboo <laughs> <laughs> oh, they better not go to fucking. <laughs> I guarantee would. Well, I don't want to guarantee anything, but we won't hear about Naboo in this. I hope not. We fucking well better not. God damn it. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, the thing served its purpose. I'm, I'm psyched about it again.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Am I gonna lose sleep over it? Uh, Avengers two comes out in May.
2: <laughs> I mean, now the burden is on Abrams to to continue to build on this it's it's like when the first guardians of the galaxy teaser trailer dropped using hooked on a feeling and everybody was like huh this might not suck i think i might be interested in this and then as they came out and they got more and more interesting and better it's like, all right i want to go see this movie now the burden is on abrams to build on this
0: well i don't think the burden is on him to build on it the burden is on him to deliver on it cuz there's a fundamental difference between star wars and guardians of the galaxy <laughs> nobody in in the remotely english speaking world is saying huh what's a star wars no <laughs> i
2: and I, I i understand what where you're coming from i'm i'm trying to go on the optimistic belief that he's going to have a good deliverable it's it's the intervening time between this teaser and when the deliverable is dropped,
0: yeah. And I certainly am hoping to see some more, and we will some more trailers with you know additional footage. But ultimately, even if there's no other trailers, it has to be he has to deliver on it. Yeah. And frankly, with eighty eight seconds worth, what we've shown is he can deliver a good trailer that'll get you excited.
2: <laughs> yes, I suppose at the end of the day, we have to remember there was
0: always lost. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which certainly didn't end badly Yeah, we could go to the theaters and get this movie idea. was shot in 3B <laughs> 3
1: beers and it looks good eh? I had to get one in God I had to get you. one
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah it certainly was certainly was exciting to see if somehow you have not seen the trailer yet at least on our local site uh, crisis on infinite midlives dot com in the show notes I'll embed a, a video of the trailer so you can take a look at it and
2: we have also, if you follow our Twitter, which is at Infinite Midlife, Rob. Oh, don't um, worry. I'll,
0: I'll forget it by the end of the show. We're <laughs> telling people how to find us.
2: Uh, we, we did post a link to the video on that as well.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Anything else we want to talk about Star Wars or you want to move on to?
2: I'm ready to move on.
0: All right. So, yeah. I mean, the yeah. How are we doing on time? About,
2: about 45 minutes or so. Okay.
0: So, yeah, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks. Um, again, mostly just because it's going to be a major event for DC and it's one of the few major events where we're getting actual concrete details that are coming out of some of the books that are coming out. Uh, talking about DC's Convergent event that starts in April. We will probably do the same thing with Marvel's Civil War or not Civil War, uh, Secret Wars.
2: Brace yourselves, yeah, folks.
0: When it starts, <laughs> when it starts, uh, more details start coming out. Um, but yeah, I mean, for right now, they have announced their third week. Um, of books. Again, it's going to be two months of two issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to all eras and universes of the DC universe, uh, since, I guess, since Action Comics 1. That's right. Uh, although I've not seen any miniseries of yeah, Superman <laughs> kicks a slumlord in the balls.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, give it time. Give it time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we did see that. It was Grant Morrison's Action Comics number one. We yeah. didn't need it again so quickly, but. Um So, yeah, this is the third week. Uh These are the ones that are going to drop April 22nd. And each of the weeks that they've shown, it looks like they sort of focus on different antagonists and different mm. sort of eras yeah, this of, is true. of DC's history. Um And it looks like, it's not exclusively, but it looks like most of these books are focusing on pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths mm. versions of characters, which is not... Nearly as exciting to me, even though I you know, when I was a little kid, there certainly crisis was what eighty five so it happened when I was mm-hmm. like fourteen, so i'd been reading d c comics at that point for ten years. I always felt most invested in the post crisis because I was mm. old enough to really follow continuity um so I could yeah so it seemed like just built for me at the perfect age okay here 's a single continuity you can start from the beginning and really get a handle on it right. Even when I was a kid reading them, it was I would get an issue of the Flash, and okay, this is a Flash story, and how it fit in with everything, I never really had a clue. Mm-hmm. Even the the Justice League, the annual Justice League of America, Justice Society of America crossovers. I, when you're six years old, it's okay. That's for some reason, right now, right today, mm-hmm. uh, Batman is married to Kathy Kane. Okay, uh, there's sure. a there's a Batwoman now. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> you just sort of took it in slide in, in stride rather so
2: well you took it and slid somewhere i
0: don't, yeah <laughs> I, I was don't know. I, I was not a coordinated child <laughs> i knew where my parents liquor cabinet was <laughs> perhaps
2: I, you were doing like the the footy sock thing like your tom cruise and risky business
0: with I, your comic I, books <laughs> I, I i did not do that i had footy pajamas <laughs> and the good thing about what that was if you're a a small child playing superhero, you put your clothes on over those, and it's like you're a superman with a costume underneath. Now, my costume was a logo of the New England Patriots. <laughs> I was the shittiest superhero in my particular area.
2: Yeah, geez. And and given, you know, general national feelings about the Patriots, not a well liked superhero. like that's like being the D man of
0: of sports themed superheroes. This was nineteen seventy seven. The Patriots were the D man of sports teams. They were <laughs> complete second stringers <laughs> you know if you haven't lived here your whole life you know you hate the patriots uh for about the last 10 years before that it was it was hatred like of a homeless guy walking up to you in the streets <laughs> oh no i'm sorry you're down on your luck and you suck but don't touch me <laughs> so here's a quarter please leave me alone yeah so i did not have footy pajamas <laughs> Um and
2: I had shitty linoleum, so I I trying to scoot across the floor and slide like you're in risky business. No. It was sort of like go to a take a big running start and then just kind of stutter stop and fall on your face. <laughs>
0: yeah, just face in yeah. the dirt. Yeah. So, so it yeah. seemed
2: cooler on TV. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Plus we're talking about when I was six, there was no <laughs> that Tom Cruise was still somebody map author and
2: Uh, Risky Business was one of the first things I taped off the television after The Sting. For some reason, The Sting was the first thing I taped off the
0: TV. Well, hello, Miss Fancy Pants. (laughs) Mine was War Games. Okay. (laughs) um, Back to DC. um, The the other thing is the antagonists, not in every case, but in a lot of cases this week, are uh, the Tangent Universe. Okay. And that really doesn't do anything for me. Can
2: you explain to the listening audience what the Tangent Universe is? Well,
0: it was uh, back in like 97, 98. um, Oh God, I I forget who took the lead on it. I don't think it was Jerry Conway, but it might have been. Yeah, it was just sort of reimagining characters Mm. with DC superhero names, but in in a completely different way and under the concept that the fact that there were superhumans had completely changed the world. Okay. So if I'm remembering right, the first one to show up was the Atom. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman was actually uh, Harvey Dent and was just a dude who had sort of worked his way into having superpowers. See, I didn't read a lot of them because yeah. this is 97, 98, so I was 26 and had no money and was completely image revolutioned out. So I was just reading Vertigo comics okay. for a large part of the 90s. Now, I know for a fact I have almost every issue of they, they revisited the Tangent Universe uh, in Tangent Superman's Reign by Ron Mars. Okay. Which was like mid-2000s or mm. late-2000s. Um, but the only, I only know I have them was because I just cataloged my collection. <laughs> I remember nothing about them. I must have liked them cuz I kept buying them, but I, yeah. I just it slid completely off my brain. All right. So I just don't know a ton about the Tangent Universe. I didn't read them when they were coming out um or at least not very many of them. So so it's just not an area of DC history where I'm like, "Oh, I can't wait to revisit this" cuz I didn't one really psyched about visiting in the first yeah, place. Yeah,
2: it makes me wonder, you know, what what they're going to do with it and and how well those stories are going to resonate for readers in general.
0: Well, it's like all of these, I think it's going to depend on is it an area of DC where you have interest? The good thing about what they're doing is sort of by focusing on weeks and having them across various lines is you can zero in on the ones that you want. Yeah. And none of these, at least as of right now, at least as of what DC's told us are going to be in continuity. So it really is just sort of a two month grab bag of what looks the most interesting and mm-hmm. what do you have nostalgia for? Yeah, that's and good this point. with a couple of exceptions just might not be the week for me. <laughs> Some of them I'm definitely going to try because there's one or two killers in here. Well, but, let's go
2: through them. All right.
0: So first one, uh, Batman and the Outsiders. Uh, writer Mike and uh, Mark Andreco, mm, uh okay. artist Carlos DeAndra. Um, description is after a year under the dome, the Outsiders have gone their separate ways, but when Omac attacks. <laughs> Batman must find out if they have what it takes to still be a team. So Mark like Draco. Yeah, um I really like Mark Draco. I will try it based on that. Yeah. At least the first issue. Um uh, that said, The Original Batman and the Outsiders came out when I was 12, I think. I think it was 82 or 83. All right. Um and they were DC was really hyping it at the time as like this is the first solo Batman title since like Batman. Hmm. Um that said, it was just, it was not that great a book, and a lot of the characters just weren't that great.
2: I liked the run that was in, like, the mid-2000s, though. That was...
0: Well, yeah, because they they switched up the membership, and they yeah. made Nightwing the leader for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, they, and they brought people in and out. Judge Winnick wrote that for a while. Yep. Dan Dio wrote it for a while. Wasn't as good as when <laughs> Dan wrote it. Um, but... Um, but, yeah, back in the early 80s, I mean, you're talking Batman, uh, Black Lightning, which is fine, uh, Metamorpho, which was fine, but mm-hmm. they created a bunch of new characters. And uh, one of them was Halo, okay, which is just some hippie with light powers <laughs> and a memory problem, like she couldn't remember who the fuck she was. Uh, Force, who was just uh, an, an imperious douche who was Terra's brother, yeah. the ruler of Markovia, yep. and everything was Brian beneath Markov. him. <laughs> yeah, so just fucking horrible. And it, Katana sort of eventually came into her own, but at the time it was, you know, if you remember in the 80s, that was all that uh James Clavell yep. Shogun, uh, what's his name, Eric Von Lustbotter or whatever, the dude who wrote Ninja. Okay. Remember how you know, all the older kids had Ninja because there was fucking in it and Ninjas? <laughs> Fucking and ninjas—that's really all you needed in high school in the '80s. We can't use that as a
2: title for iTunes.
0: Yeah, which is a shame, but, um, but yeah, just a huge obsession with ninjas in American culture in the '90s. Now, on one hand, that gives you like Frank Miller's Daredevil and Chris Claremont's Wolverine. Right. On the other hand, you get fucking katana. My sword has my husband in it, and and he, he thirsts for blood, apparently.
2: Not a weird phallic relationship demands at all. souls.
0: <laughs> the, the, my, my husband, the sword, wants to stop for KFC. I don't... <laughs> so No,
2: that's just you. Just own it. Just... <laughs> yeah,
0: I would like some KFC. I am starting to get hungry. But uh, I think this beer will help me. So yeah, um, this one, I have no particular fondness for Batman and the Outsiders.
2: But we like Andrako.
0: But we like Andrako, so I will give it a try. You know, God knows I'd sort of tuned out a Batwoman, and he has made that book show so batshit crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm back into it enjoying it again. So. Yeah. Um. All right, next one, uh, Adventures of Superman. Okay. Uh, Written by Marv Wolfman, uh, artists Roberto Villacava and Andy Owens. Superman and Supergirl try to escape the city through the Phantom Zone, but they enter a portion they've never seen before and learn that Supergirl is destined to die if they return to their proper time and dimension, true story. <laughs> that's what it says. True story. I, that's okay. that's not me commenting on it. it well, no, I mean,
2: that's interesting because that immediately makes me think of um, Crisis on Infinite Earths where one of the iconic um, things is, is the cover with Superman holding seemingly
0: dead Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Well, to me, what it calls back to with the true story is, well, it, all right, well, we'll start with that. And I, I've got a certain amount of nostalgia for pre-crisis superman yeah. yeah i've got distinct memories as a little kid of some story where he banged a radio tower into the shape of a needle needle and like sewed up the earth yeah. after an earthquake <laughs> you know that kind of big almost silver age kind of shit um yeah you know, there's fun stuff in there and i am intrigued by the idea of pre-crisis supergirl and superman learning somehow that uh, if we go to at least portions of DC's history, mm. I'm dead. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting to me. But yeah, the the true story thing immediately brings me to Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Right, right. With that opening line, you know, this is an imaginary imaginary story, aren't they all? Huh. So it makes me wonder if he's doing something maybe with that or Turn riff it on it. Head. Yeah. So hmm. while pre-crisis superman i've got some nostalgia for you know, these other possible elements that they could explore could make this one really kind of interesting yeah And marv wolfman generally does a good job with stuff so right right um all right so next one next one what is the next one uh wonder woman ah Ugh. <laughs> oh let me <laughs> let me describe it first tell us a
2: story uncle rob <laughs> uh, uh, this
0: will be the best one <laughs> no one uh, writer, uh, Larry Hama. Okay. Uh, art and color, Josh Middleton. Okay. White jumpsuit clad, Diana Prince is in there. <laughs> Amanda just put her hand over her eyes. So,
2: yeah, and- you all can't see me right now, but there's a facepalm happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shortly to be followed by a head desk. Yeah.
0: It's just sort of gripping the bridge of her nose. <laughs> <sighs>
2: <sighs> Fuck. Now go back to the white jumpsuit-clad Wonder Woman.
0: Oh, yes. White uh, <laughs> white jumpsuit-clad Diana Prince is in the grips of a Domesday cult. <laughs> okay. Apparently it's Domesday now, uh, the situation that Brainiac has put everybody in. Um, when her lover, Steve Trevor, leaps into the fray to save Etta Candy from the vampires of Red Rain. Uh, huh. Okay, so I liked Red Rain. I liked Red Rain. That's the best thing I can say about this so far. <laughs> now look. If you're not familiar, back in 1968, Denny O'Neill and uh, the artist Mike Sikowski decided they were going to embrace the women's liberation movement. Yeah, and and they... That they were going to do it by taking away Wonder Woman's powers and having her learn kung fu from a dude.
2: And wear that shitty jumpsuit.
0: Yeah, so she wore a white pantsuit and she was a secret agent. With no superpowers, yeah. but she was cosmopolitan and lived in the big city, and it lasted for about five years before everybody realized that it sucked and it was stupid, and they <laughs> they ret- retconned it back uh, just in time for Wonder Woman to become a symbol of feminism by making twelve year old boys get half boners every Wednesday night at eight. <laughs> um. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's um. So. First of all, all of this (laughs) happened before I was reading comics. So it was about five years, so 68 to 73. I didn't start reading comics till 75 when I was five years old. So I have no personal memory of this. I feel like I've seen some of these old issues, though. I I feel like I've seen the jumpsuit. Well, it's, it's one of those sort of legendary, like, have you seen the white whale? It's a thing that happened that almost seems like
2: but it might have been in like a Wonder Woman annual or something where they like would republish old well, stories or something a
0: few years ago uh they did a thing called DC retroactive yeah where they did a few titles from very from the 70s, 80s and 90s yeah I mean,
2: that sounds right and
0: Wonder Woman was one of them so it was a new story of Wonder Woman in that era okay um yeah it's it, it doesn't you got to be at least 50 years old for this era of comics to matter to you. I mean, it's one of those things that almost sounds like somebody made up.
2: Although, <laughs> you know, you think white jumpsuit clad Wonder Woman and then you go, "Wow, why did I ever get upset about the the new redesign with the pants?"
0: <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, this one I just <laughs> Yeah. Morbid curiosity might put it in my polls, but
2: yeah, I, alright, I'm interested in so far as I liked Red Rain and we'll give it one issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, morbid curiosity at best. Yeah. Alright. So, next is The Flash. Okay. Uh, written by Dan Abnett, uh, artist Federico Delocchio. Okay. Uh, trapped in Gotham, Barry Allen has nowhere to run. Uh, he fights on seeking justice as well as a way to save the city, but he faces a tangent universe foe that thinks faster than the Flash ever could move. Why? Hmm. Why didn't they take this opportunity to give us one more fucking Wally West Flash story? Yeah. People have been screaming for Wally West to come back. Okay, how many waffles do we need to send Dan DiDio to, to get Wally West back? I'm not sending Dan DiDio my waffles. Let him buy his own fucking waffles. <laughs> Fuck Dan DiDio. I'm hungry now. He's got that fat West Coast money. Buy your own waffles out there. You can get chicken with your waffles. I'm keeping my waffles. Okay.
2: <laughs> just say like you know they're finally getting Stephanie Brown back after all of that whinging. Like why can we not get Wally West back?
0: Yeah, I mean even for even for two issues. Yeah, you know and. Again, almost all of these seem like 1970s versions of the character, early 80s versions of the character, which was clearly Barry Allen. Yep. So that's probably where the decision was based. But come on, man, move The Flash to another week. Aren't you tired of people walking up to the, the mic at conventions saying, where's Wally West? And... No, no this, this black-haired juvenile delinquent you've got in the comics now isn't my Wally West.
2: I'm waiting for the, for the next response to be, like, no. I, I, in fact, if you could move a little closer, I am collecting your tears to bathe in later. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> I They're so just salty. <laughs> just a little closer. <laughs> well, why don't you write that?
0: <laughs> that that made, almost made me <laughs> york, frankly. That was, that's a possible title. Um. So yeah, I mean, this is a version of the Flash again. Nobody under fifty cares about. Yeah, nobody was screaming for Barry Allen back until Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio had a clean shot at it with Flash Rebirth a couple, yeah. three, four years ago. Um, he's in a hist- he's in a city he's got no history in. Right. He's fighting a villain from a universe that, at least I I have no interest in. Yeah, I like Dan Abnett as a writer. That's yeah. the one thing that. Yeah, you know, this has going for it. You know, he did great stuff with Nova, uh, with Annihilation. He basically created the Guardians of the Galaxy that are in the movie. Right. But
2: and um, Resurrection Man with uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, Andy Lanning.
0: Lan- uh, Lanning. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um. So yeah, I mean, I will try this based on his prior work, but oh man, they this is a big missed opportunity. You know, Dan Didio could have shut so many people up or at least quieted them down.
2: Yeah. And also, many of these characters, at least this week, are 70s, 80s versions. There, there's at least one storyline that's bringing back Stephanie Brown.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Stephanie Brown, Cassandra Kane, right. you know, bring the whole gang back, but not Wally West.
2: So, I can only be myself. Yeah. <laughs> Iris, you still love me, right? <laughs> No, no, that's right. They got her hooking up with Barry on the TV show. Yeah, <laughs> eventually.
0: And, yeah, and uh, yeah, with a version of Iris. On. <laughs> I love the Flash it's TV like if- show. The Flash TV show on a lot of of all the new flat, of all the new comic book TV shows is my favorite. God, the Iris Allen character. I hope she gets hit by lightning or yeah. blown up by Weather Wizard. Iris or, Kardashian. I I hope she steps on a <laughs> nail and gets tetanus. <laughs> I hope she gets run over by a bus and crankcase oil drips on her forehead as she's slowly crushed to death. Iris needs to go. Yeah. Get rid of Iris. (laughs) Move Felicity Smoke from Arrow back over to Flash. She's got better chemistry with Flash anyway, and let's all move on with our lives. Exactly. Exactly. Just cut the weak link now.
2: (laughs) What else Uh, is coming up for conversions? (laughs)
0: Ah, oh, got it off my chest. I feel a little better. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, uh, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Okay. Uh, written by Stuart Moore, uh, who I'm, I'm only familiar with from doing, I think, Firestorm for a while with yes. Jamal Eigel. Yep. Uh, artists, Gus Storms and Mark Farmer. Uh, while Brainiac 5 struggles to break through the dome, Superboy tries to keep the Legion of Superheroes' spirits up, but then the Atomic Knights ride into town. Okay. Um, now look, when I was a, a kid uh i used to really like superboy and the legion of superheroes but i liked it for superboy right yeah because it it really fulfilled its intended purpose of being a really a pre-adolescent power fantasy
2: yeah i mean nobody's reading it for bouncing boy but <laughs> well, I,
0: that's the thing the legion has never hooked me in even then it was i uh, liked the superboy stories and then he was with these other superheroes yeah and, so, um, and, and
2: the idea that, that a brainiac could exist that wasn't evil. Yeah. Was interesting.
0: Yeah. But otherwise, the, the Legion, you know, and clearly I'm in a certain minority. The Legion has existed in one form or another almost constantly for 40, 50 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Legion of Superhero just has never been something that hooked me in.
2: Although I find it strangely, uh, Prophetic in a way because the the concept of this um, future was that you could remain an adolescent into your thirties or something like that. Isn't that
0: the? <laughs> yeah, but that's the present now. I, I say that's I,
2: what I say. It's strangely prophetic.
0: Yeah, I remained an adolescent until <laughs> forty four. uh
2: so I just I just wanted to point that little thing out. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so yeah, I mean, this is one. I'll probably pick it up, but purely from nostalgia for yeah yeah, Superboy. Yeah, the, the rest of it you know, again. I liked Firestorm perfectly well.
2: Right, right.
0: Uh, so we'll see. <clears throat> um, let's see what we got here. Green Lantern Corps. Okay. Uh, writer David Gallagher, uh, artist Steve Ellison, and Andy Parks. Mm. Say the oath, save the world. If uh, only, if only being the Green Lantern Corps was that easy. Uh, Hal has resigned. John is busy. Guy is pissed. Together for the first time, they'll save Gotham or die trying. A lot of this seems
2: Gotham centric.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's possible that certain cities are being focused on with each week's, as as well as certain eras. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's having... the other
2: thing about the Flash. I'm like, why aren't we in?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's well. I mean, it could be as simple as you know, Brainiac has kept bottle cities. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he may have decided to up his MO with, great, I'll create a bottle city, and just drop certain elements in, shake them up, and see what happens.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Pause for beer. Pause <laughs> for beer. <laughs> so yeah, this one of any of them, with God as my witness, I have no idea when this takes place. <laughs> okay. Um, John Stewart first was in Green Lantern, Green Arrow, back when Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams were doing it. Okay. In the early, mid-70s. Um. I think his first appearance was right after one of the speedy... Mm, I love heroin. <laughs> yeah, heroin mm, issues. Heroin. Um, I think Guy Gardner was around then, too. But at the very least, I know he was around in the 70s because mm-hmm. I remember him from uh, an issue back in 1980 Okay. That I remember reading when the movers were in the house <laughs> when I moved to upstate New York. It was Green Lantern 123. It was the first issue that was just Green Lantern as opposed to Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Yeah. Um, and, and it was the issue where a guy was trapped in Quard, the antimatter universe, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Sinestro, and Hal rescues him, only to discover he's got crippling brain damage. <laughs> um, So, I mean, this could be pre-Crisis, but clearly all these characters existed in, you know, yeah. in Crisis, after Crisis, after the new 52. So mm. I, I'm guessing just based on a, the the promo art that was shown for this one showed Guy Gardner without the bowl cut, so I'm guessing it's the 1970s version. Okay. Um, and yeah, when it comes to the writer, uh, I am not familiar with him. I googled him. It looks like he's done some Green Lantern work before. Okay. So, eh, it'll be
2: interesting. Yeah. Sometimes unknown quantities can be some of the the better
0: finds. Oh yeah, it's uh, I remember uh when I was getting DC Universe online yeah um because it looked like justice league and as far as the owner of my local comic book store <laughs> was concerned that's a sale <laughs> um, but uh yeah the first issue i found with tom taylor at the time who nobody knew, he'd, he'd done a few issues of authority when it was yeah. on the ropes but it was yeah it was interesting stuff with you know conversations between green lantern and sinestro about the nature of war and fear it was you know for a book that was just meant to sell subscriptions to a Massive multiplayer game. Mm. There was cool stuff. So yeah, sometimes you just find stuff, but you know, based on its face value, if you only got four bucks and you got a choice between that one and the next one, mm-hmm. yeah, get the next one. <laughs> um, uh, which is Swamp Thing.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: writer Len Wein. Okay. Artist Kelly Jones. All right. Um, yeah, only description is Swamp Thing struggles to survive when the dome cuts off his contact with the green. Huh. So of the week, this is one of the two money yeah. shots. Yeah. Cause, because while Alan Moore revolutionized Swamp Thing, Len created the character. Right, right. Um, and I got a few of those early issues that you got me for my birthday at some point. Yeah. And yeah, those, those are good stories. They, they hold up really well. So having him back in the peak seat even for a couple issues, I'm cool with that. And yeah, Kelly Jones doing horror art. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't care if this one, I don't care which, <laughs> I don't care which Swamp Thing it is, if it's Alec Holland trying to be human again, or if it's the swamp thing that was never Alec Holland or whatever the hell he is now, <laughs> this, this one is probably a winner.
2: Okay, as long as it's not like you know, Oscar the Grouch is swamp thing or something.
0: me that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> However, this next one will not be a winner. Okay. It might be out of Justice League America. Uh-huh. Uh written by Fabian Nicenza. Yeah. I never pronounced that right, I guarantee. Um most promising artist Chris Cross, who I do like. Okay. Um, with their heavy hitter sidelined, elongated man must lead the much maligned Justice League Detroit against the overwhelming power of heroes from the tangent universe.
2: Okay, so this means we're gonna see vibe.
0: Oh, God willing, we see vibe and <laughs> gypsy and steel yep. and yep. We won't see Aquaman, because no. Aquaman was the leader of Justice League Detroit. Because
2: that makes so much sense, given that Detroit is nowhere near the ocean.
0: <laughs> it's near a lake. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's near several lakes. <laughs> yep, nice polluted lakes from the auto industry.
2: But, all right, you know what? As as If I want to try to put a positive spin on this, we get oh,
0: to see... you can try. Let's see you try.
2: We get to see Elongated Man.
0: That is true.
2: I mean, that was one of the mo- most tragic things about Identity Crisis was was Ralph and Sue Dibney you know, going into that
0: good night. Well, Ralph survived that. He right. was 52 he got killed.
2: Okay, but yes, sorry. Yes.
0: So, <laughs> I'm a little overexcited there. So yes, you're right. Hyperbolic. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> but if if Sue is in this even a little bit.
0: <laughs> yes. But in that case, it's Ralph and Sue with vibe. Not even like revitalized vibe.
2: There's an awful joke I can make there. (laughs) It's just, it's been so long. Let's get vibe.
0: (laughs) Uh, All right, I wasn't even going to go in that direction, but one of us always has to swing (laughs) for the bottom. Why not? Maybe we can go a little deeper. (laughs) But, But yeah, okay, so we get Ralph and Sue, but with vibe, that's like, you know, yeah, we got... Paul McCartney and he's with One Direction and <laughs> and uh and Bieber. The Beeb is actually he's going to be lead vocals. Oh god. So
2: <laughs> but what's Harry Styles going to do then? I
0: mean uh fuck off as far as I'm. I feel concerned. like
2: Taylor Swift should be a part of that if you're really going to swing for the fences. Okay. You
0: you're really <laughs> I was not I was not convinced I wanted to read this book before. You're really <laughs> fucking up for me now. Yeah, Justice League Detroit, I suppose you could do something good with it, but that is such an almost shorthand for here's why D.C. <laughs> needed crisis. Here's how low we had sunk. Yeah. So, I don't know. That...
2: Are they squatting <laughs> in an abandoned building
0: somewhere? Um, <laughs> I, I don't even remember. In Detroit in 1985, no, the the full flight probably had not occurred. If it's <laughs> happening now, yeah, they're probably going to get shivved in that Studebaker factory where they used to make <laughs> lightsabers but the uh, with all of that said the colorist for this is named Snakebite Cortez that's awesome uh,
2: <laughs> that is possibly the greatest name in the history of mankind
0: that's that's the greatest name in comics right now yeah. I'll guarantee you that <laughs> um, I am not familiar with the man's work but I think it's safe to say based on his name I'm gonna google him I'm glad that he's found work in the comics industry and he stopped Plundering trade frigates, <laughs> or you know, running guns for the Cosa Nostra. Has he escaped from New York?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the best name in comics. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, I <laughs> I may have to buy this just to. Actually, I, I want to no. give that
2: man a dollar. No.
0: <laughs> I'm going to mail Snakebite Cortez a dollar. This is an American dollar. Snakebite, if you're listening to the show, email me your address. I will send you a dollar. If only so, <laughs> I'm not forced to read just... I may try it for the morbid curiosity and the sheer lunatic thrill of it. But in case I don't, a man named Snakebite Cortez should not have to turn back to crime. <laughs> I'm only assuming from the name. Again, I don't know the guy from A Hole in the Wall, but that's the best name. Um. All right, we we better move on.
2: <laughs> I don't know how you follow Snakebite Cortez, frankly. Oh, oh with Just Hawkman, apparently. Drop the
0: mic. <laughs> the mics aren't that cheap. We'll hold on to the mic. <laughs> so yeah, we got Hawkman. Uh, writer Jeff Parker, uh, artist Tim Truman and Enrique uh Alcatena. Okay. Probably mispronounced that. I like Jeff Parker. Yeah. Um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl put on their uh put their Shadow War on hold. As they face the anthropomorphic might of Ratman and Batman in the deadly land of Kamandi. Okay. Um, now, I'm not a big Hawkman fan, uh, but I'm for this book for a couple of reasons. Number one, like you, I like Jeff Parker. Um, number two, Tim Truman, one of the artists on this, wrote and drew the Hawkworld miniseries back right. in the 80s, which was DC's attempt to reboot and darken up. You know, a la Dark Knight Returns, Longbow Hunters, yep. uh, for Hawkman. And that's about as much as I've ever liked Hawkman. They tried to make sense out of, uh, Thanagar and Katar yep. Hall's place in it and reasons why he would come to Earth, you know, rebelling against Thanagar's Imperial Society. So to see him at least drawing Hawkman again, that's probably worth the price of admission for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never read Kamani.
2: Yeah, I don't I that's not something I'm really familiar with other than that I know the name.
0: Yeah, it was it was a big deal just before the DC implosion. And I remember seeing it on the spinner rack at the corner store where I used to get comics, but I never picked it up because it wasn't a superhero book. Okay. Um so it's weird. I, I had access to Jack Kirby books, new Jack Kirby books in the seventies. Um but I never picked up commandi, And then even when he went back to Marvel in like the mid seventies, he did Devil Dinosaur. Right. And I was never a kid who was into dinosaurs. Did I didn't need dinosaurs as a pre adolescent power <laughs> fantasy. I had Superboy. I had superheroes. Yeah. Um and two thousand one a space odyssey, which I was seven. I didn't give a shit. So it's just it's weird. My first exposure to Jack Kirby was in Captain America reprints from Marvel Super Action. There you go. So, but at the same time, brand new stuff was coming out every month. I never read it, so so yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, you, you had your reasons. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, you know, A seven year old doesn't understand. You're, Do you know who this is? Who, what, the guy who drew it? I don't know. <laughs> He's not drawing a superhero. Pretty I don't care. colors. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's. I'll probably get this based on Parker and Truman. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to a 1970s version of Hawkman, eh, don't care. But it'll be pretty to look at. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be able to see what they can do with the concept. All right, what else we got? Uh, this is the other probable money shot. Okay. Um, New Teen Titans. Yep. Uh, written by Marv Wolfman. Mm hmm. So, bringing the original guy back. They seem to screw that up the last couple of weeks. But, <laughs> uh, Who's drawing it? Uh, Nicholas Scott and Mark Deering. Okay. Uh, description is Titans together. Fighting against the might of the Tangent Universe's Doom Patrol, we are re- reminded why this is the greatest Titan team of all. Um,
2: no, Rob, tell us, who's on this Titan team? Well,
0: <laughs> well let's see. Uh, <laughs> we have the return of Donna Troy. Good. So we get no Wally West, but we get Donna Troy. Okay. For the first time since the new 52. Uh, we get Disco Nightwing, <laughs> back in his high-collared original costume. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but yes. In the promo image that DC released, literally front and center is fucking Jericho. <laughs> it is white man, afro. Elvis thinks they're excessive mutton chop fucking glory.
2: All for you, Rob.
0: He wrote uh, it all for you. My <laughs> God, I can't stand Jericho. Jericho, Jericho was at the end of Deathstroke <laughs> 2 this week. And I'm like, they're <laughs> fucking this up. It's on Amanda's pulls, so we'll see it again, but it would have fallen off of mine. (laughs) Jericho is the worst.
2: Somebody out there might actually be listening to this show and and is doing this just to fuck with you, Rob.
0: (laughs) I I choose not to believe that. (laughs) Jericho's design, it's like George Perez one time drove past Studio 54 in a (laughs) mescaline haze. It's just awful he's like the 70s took a beer shit
2: (laughs) (laughs) we can't use that either as a title
0: (laughs) he's like like alan alda had a fever dream of someone he could beat up with no effort or conscience his power i'm convinced his power is to leap under into other people and i'm convinced it's because he knows he sucks so (laughs) fucking much
2: well, wouldn't you wanna leap into other people
0: <laughs> if you were him oh believe me, dressed in the you know half disco suit <laughs> and button chops that should be what he's all about,
2: and there's like some sort of I don't know Steve Martin joke or something <laughs> like well, I wanna leap into Starfire today, ooh boobies <laughs>
0: like- <laughs> yes I, I am jericho man, woman, child, I am in you, <laughs> yikes <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, we have had 200% too much fucking Jericho from DC Comics this week. (laughs) Somebody just, he's Deathstroke's son. Can't you just shoot him or string him up or blow up his face? Or
2: Oh, he'll go crazy and be gone, I'm sure, soon enough.
0: (laughs) He goes crazy and fucks off every two or three years, and then he comes back.
2: No, uh, honestly, before this month, when was the last time you saw Jericho? Other than when I would drag him out to torment you.
0: Um, I want to say he was in Titans pre New 52. And yeah, he'd gone apeshit crazy and they were trying to save him. And because nobody can believe that guy looks like that was a few years. Yeah, but his concept is so inherently flawed. Nobody can possibly believe he's a hero. Number one, he he looks like a date rapist from 1977. Number two, he invades your body. <laughs> He's icky to the core. <laughs> icky to the core has possibilities. We're light on does. titles this week, but <laughs> so look to see Marv Wolfman writing New Teen Titans again. One of us is going to pick this up, but yeah, it'll probably be me. It's got a hundred percent too much fucking Jericho in it. <laughs> so that is it for week three of Convergence. All right. So, all right, want to talk, uh, how are we doing on time?
2: Oh, it is about one twenty-three.
0: Okay, so yeah, talk a couple of comics and then yeah. wrap it up. All right, which one do you want to do first?
2: Oh, you can pick.
0: Um, why don't we start with, uh, uh, with Gotham by Midnight? All right. So, yeah, uh, Gotham by Midnight 1, uh, written by Ray Fox, who's been doing a bunch of stuff for DC recently. He's been doing uh, Constantine. Yes. Uh, and uh, art by Ben Temple Smith. Yay! Yep, always a favorite here at Crisis on Infinite Midlives. So, yeah, uh, this is one uh, brand new issue, um, brand new concept. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, with Commissioner Gordon, he's out of commission, uh, because of uh, Batman Eternal, right? Um. So, Gotham PD's internal affairs, uh, is investigating. The quote detailed case task force, yeah, which is a unit that Gordon set up with sort of a discretionary budget, a it, unit that has never made an arrest,
2: right? It's like law and order creepy crimes unit, yeah, <laughs> has
0: never had a conviction. Um, the lead detective is Jim Corrigan, <laughs> you know, who's the specter, uh, when he's at home, yes, um, and yeah, basically, the concept huge spoilers for the entire rest of the episode, by the way, yes, um. Yeah, basically his deal is he meets with Batman face-to-face and they sort of go over case files and the ones that look supernatural and weird, Corrigan takes back to the unit and they go out and investigate.
2: Even if those files are supposedly already closed.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, and that's sort of what happens here. We've got a case of a couple of sisters who went missing and were found, but they came back wrong. Yes. They they will eat and they will bathe themselves, but they like don't make eye contact and they're not speaking in English, so
2: And they're they're acting just generally weird.
0: Yeah. So basically you have this uh IA sergeant, what was his name? Rook? Yes. Um, who is like the one scully for all these moulders. And make no mistake, this is sort of a an X Files riff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well and, and also it's it's not even like Scully. Like his he wants to shut it down. He, he's not even in there to be the, the audience proxy. He, his job is to shut it down.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but everybody else, yeah, there's a couple of contractors. One's a nun. Uh, <laughs> I forget who the other one was. Uh,
2: he was some sort of medical examiner.
0: Okay. Um, and then, yeah, uh, one detective who really wants to be on the front lines and make, make her difference. way in the world. Yeah. And, yeah, as they investigate these.
2: And their lieutenant. They have a lieutenant.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, L- <laughs> Lieutenant. uh shit. What was his name?
2: Uh, I don't know. He got doesn't, the book. It doesn't matter. Um,
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, starting off with the art, Temple Smith is hes a good choice for a spooky book. The dude's yeah. been doing horror for forever. Um, plus, he did Fell with Warren Ellis. Right. So, it just right out of the gate for, for spooky and a police procedural where the police are sort of in a weird situation. It's very evocative art, particularly if you've been Following him and have read Fell and 30 Days of Night. Right, and right. So, right out of the gate, it's got the right look. He um, did the early
2: 10,000 run too, right?
0: Uh, 10 grand. 10 yeah. Grand, the, yeah. uh, the JMS book. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know how you get around the feeling of, uh, oh, this is kind of X Files. It, it is there.
2: Yeah. I think. Although I was so preoccupied on waiting for Lady like, Corrigan to specter out, and he never did, <laughs> that... Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, Batman definitely references... Batman knows he's the specter. Yeah. There's there's no being coy around it. He's the specter. He's just not green and white.
2: Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out... the only, My only issue with this book was there were some panels near the end where the the creeping horror was approaching the girl's who were with the detective and the nun in their home. And they were splitting back and forth between that and Corrigan and Rook approaching this haunted house in a swamp Yeah, where I was trying to figure out what was coming into the home that was going to set the girls off. Because as far as I could tell, it was the nun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dad, I didn't take that. I sort of took it as, as they're approaching the house where the creepy teacher or whatever is, the, the big bad, at least for this issue right before the cliffhanger. Yeah. Something about that was setting them off. I didn't think anybody was coming into the house, but I could have been.
2: Well, because they show the first panel is the nun standing in front of the house. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. But she was already there uh, recording their weird.
2: No, the, the detective had started recording and then the nun was supposed to show up and come ask them questions.
0: Okay. I, I may have taken that out of sequence. I, I do that because yeah, it's, Cause I had to go back and look. I was like, it, it was a, Tricky sequence, as I recall, it was like nine-panel grid or something yeah. like that, where it would you know, cut panel to panel. And while Temple Smith has very atmospheric, evocative art, it, it is also, I don't want to say abstract, but basic line work, so it can be hard to keep track of what's going on, um, particularly in a situation where it's uh, yeah going from one situation to another. Now, that said... There was, here, let me find the book. There was no confusion in who was who. There was right. uh, overall a coloring difference between things that were happening in one yeah, scene. Yeah, one was yellow and one another. was blue. So, but yeah, it, exactly seeing who was doing what. You know, it's possible I missed it.
2: I oh, know. I see. Okay. The creepy teacher is some sort of nun. So it was probably just the physical, like, oh, this calls back to whatever it was that had us hostage.
0: Okay. Yeah, all right, that's very possible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good reading. Thanks! <laughs> that big English degree. <laughs> Whereas my big drinking problem is screwing up my reading comprehension. I'm looking at pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one or two things jumped out of I me. Mean, yeah, you got the whole X-Files vibe. Yeah. Know, the whole, you know, let's send a member of the clergy to record the speech patterns of these strange kids. That's straight out of The Exorcist. Right, right. At least the novel. Um... The weird thing is there's no need whatsoever for this book to be in Gotham. Right. You, know, you take Batman and the Spectre out, this could be an indie book that takes place anywhere. Yeah. Um, it gets the benefit of being part of Gotham City Police Department, which at least has sort of a, the pre-52 Gotham Central history of being a working police department with relationships. Right. And that was one thing I had a problem with, and it was my own personal problem this week, I read volume four of Gotham Central, yep. entitled Corrigan, <laughs> where Jim Corrigan is an irredeemably corrupt crime scene investigator. Yeah. And literally two days later, it's, oh, no, I'm Jim Corrigan. I'm the Spectre. And that's well, that's my own failing of reading an older book with a different characterization of a guy who hadn't been around for a long time.
2: Corrigan is clearly getting a push in terms of his visibility in television media with WB stories, DC stories, because two different actors are playing Corrigan, I believe. Um, There's one in Gotham and one in um, Constantine, I think.
0: I don't think we've seen Jim Corrigan in Constantine yet.
2: All right, maybe. No, we've seen him in – no, he was. He was in the New Orleans because
0: it was weird that he was in – Okay, that's right believe believe it or not on a friday night i'm not exactly sober every time we watch constantine
2: <laughs> nobody is that's why they have a petition to save the show <laughs> yeah
0: i suppose but
2: um so they're looking to raise the profile of this of this character i think honestly it seems like it um and yeah if you if you're only familiar with him from um the rucka book <laughs> Yeah, it
0: becomes very weird to see him not just being an utter sleazebag. Right, but, right. But again, that's my own cognitive dissonance I brought to it, having just read this 10-year-old series of issues. Yeah. Um, I like the overall idea. I had fun with this book. Um, I'd kind of like to see it separated from Batman as much as possible. Keep the specter out of it, too. This is his day job, and his skills as the Spectre give him a certain set of skills that work as a policeman in this unit. That's fine. But I kind of like the idea of supernatural cops in this weird, isolated, the the wire like unit that's trying to scrounge resources. It is, all right, it
2: is like the wire because it's a a tiny group and they're off the grid.
0: Yeah. Trying to scrounge resources and not let people know what's going on and still try to operate. Yeah. Um, you know, in this system that just doesn't acknowledge them. I mean, that's, it could be a good solid police procedural and good old fashioned urban fantasy. And it's a good start on that if you can yeah. keep it as isolated from the Batman elements of Gotham as possible.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think i'm I'm hoping we don't see Batman again for a while, but I feel like you had to at least nod to him because you're in Gotham, so they got it out of the way
0: well yeah it's the old thing it's they they named the thing Gotham so that Batman fans would Pick take up, a yeah. shot at it
2: because yeah if they if they're if they're putting Spectre by midnight on there, nobody's picking this up
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and yeah, it's like the old thing you stick Wolverine in a book you sell another ten thousand copies All right. right, this one has Batman in it yeah um but it, it doesn't need it. And there are enough cool elements here that they could really get a lot of mileage out of that they're they're laying the groundwork on that this could be a really cool book. I honestly, I picked it up because it was a first issue and I like Ben Temple Smith, right? But it was sort of a uh, all right, and uh, was really pleasantly surprised when I read it. This was this wound up being kind of a sleeper where it's it was one of the better books I read. This very enjoyable. Yep. Anything else on this one or?
2: uh, no, I just, I, I like the art. I, I'm curious to see where the story goes. I want more of it. I wish it would come out weekly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's not go crazy. It's a good start. Let's see if they do a second issue that's okay. just as good, because <laughs> God knows somebody stuck their cork into Deathstroke, didn't they? <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Eh. Oh, Deathstroke. <laughs> no. Oh, Jericho. <laughs> there was a cool idea in Deathstroke to make him young again and see how he could navigate that. And then immediately we got to go to Jericho. No, it
2: wasn't a cool idea. It was a cop
0: out. <laughs> Potentially there could be, there could have been something there. Why don't you put Jericho in? You've lost me.
2: <laughs> Show me on the doll where Jericho
0: touched you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I can't because he jumped into my soul and violated me display there. <laughs> As is his power. Oh. (laughs) See, I need a powerful slug of beer to shake off the Jericho. (laughs) All right, want to talk Spider-Man? Let's talk Spider-Man. All right, so yeah, we are deep and well and truly into Spider-Verse at this point. So
2: This is Spider-Man 2099.
0: Yes, number six, uh, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney.
2: And actually, this is sort of an unexpectedly fun find for me, because I I like Peter David. um, So this was a neat book to come across.
0: Yeah, it's, I've never been a big fan of any of the 2099 books. Uh, These were coming out in the late 90s, same as Tangent Universe. Mm -hmm. So again, as a 26-year-old with a limited budget, you know, and yeah, imaged out. Yes. Um, I really didn't read a lot of them, so I don't have a huge history with them. And I know that Spider-Man 2099 is now generally in the modern 616. Mm -hmm. Uh, but still, I tried it once or twice and said, I don't have a lot of love for the character. It didn't really hook. I specifically picked this up because it's a Spider-Verse spinoff and I want to keep track of everything that's going on. And this one, yeah, wound up being.
2: This was, it was a cool pairing. They, they had, um, the, the Peter Parker from some random reality that had like multiple arms. Um, yeah, six arms Spider Man, and I remember him from as as being a precursor to to Man Spider because in um, Spider Man and his amazing friends, this happened. He tried to cure himself, and he ended up giving himself more
0: arms. Um, oh yeah, well, it, it's a <laughs> he pretty, mutated further. It's a pretty classic story from around when the Clone Saga was going on. Yeah, so
2: so it was cool to see that character, and and May Riley, who's like the Spider Punk uh, Lady Spider, uh, shows up in this one.
0: Oh yeah, no, not the not the spider punk, the steampunk. Steampunk, uh, yeah. Spider punk is Spider-punk. deeply terrifying to me. And <laughs> I really don't want any part of that.
2: I'm sorry, steampunk lady spider. Yes. Um. So I just got so excited, I just <laughs> garbled my words. Yeah. Um. And and she's just such a fun character.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want her
2: to get her own book.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I've I've been enjoying her, and she did get her own Edge of Spider yes. book. Yes. So clearly there's enough invested in the concept. Yeah. Supposedly Gwen Stacy's going to get her own. She might.
2: I'll read both. If those come out as series, I will pick them up. I will throw them on my polls.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was a good pairing of it. Um, however, uh, one thing I'm having a problem with is while there have been a lot of really cool concepts, like Gwen as Spider Woman, mm-hmm. like uh, Lady Spider, uh, that have come out of Spider-Verse, it's really kind of becoming clear that Dan Slott has invented so many new alternate <laughs> universe versions of Spider-Man, in large part to have fucking cannon fodder to get whacked issue <laughs> after issue after issue. Yes, by the inheritors. And yeah, I get that it ra- it's supposed to raise the stakes to see a Spider-Man be murdered in every comic book, but after a while, it's, all right, it's one of the new ones and... Yeah. It just sort of becomes par for the course. It's not like spider red shirts. Yeah, it's it's not really exactly. It's they're they're, red they're there to die. Yeah, and you know you get just a scooch of characterization. You, know, you got a little bit of characterization from Six armed Spider Man, and this one, you know, oh, which hand do I shake? The one I'm extending, <laughs> um, and then he's just dead. Um, yeah. Uh So. It, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at the point, I, I want to stop seeing the Inheritors just constantly on the advance and nobody can stop them. And we get a little bit of that in this issue.
2: I have to wonder like, what the story wall looks like at this point for Spider-Verse with so many different individual spider people. Well, <laughs> It's,
0: it's going to look like
2: something out of Westeros. Like, yeah. it's just...
0: <laughs> number one, it's got a lot of big red X's through a lot of them. Because <laughs> at least one of them dies in every issue Yeah. Of it. Um. So, so yeah, it it feels like these drones are getting killed, and I think we are starting to get to the point where, with the idea of the the story wall, where things are starting to turn around because yeah. this is one of the first issues where it felt like really one of the inherit inheritors, what is Damos, yeah, um, was sort of on the ropes a couple of times, yes, and it was really kind of cool to see that Miguel's brother i assume it's his brother gabe yes he was fucking awesome oh he was i I may start picking up this book just to see the interplay between these two assuming he stays because yeah this takes place in 2099 right back in uh, miguel o'hara's universe um yeah coming out with that rocket launcher thing (laughs) and it was almost a Buffy feel of he hits him with the rocket launcher. And says, How dare it hits him again and blows him out of the fucking window.
2: <laughs> it's a very Xander moment.
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> but after weeks and weeks of nobody can stop the inheritors, the best we can do is hold them off while we run to see just a dude blast him. Yeah, was really kind of cool. It
2: was kind of a Indiana Jones uh, against the guy with the whip moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't do this to me. Boom. <laughs> so long, sucker. Yeah. Um with that also said, wasn't wasn't the characterization of Damios in this really kind of rapey? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we watched him murder a Spider-Man, and while I still argue that the impact of that is lessened every time some alternate universe Spider-Man who you know we meet for two or three panels and watch him then watch him die, it's is minimized.
2: Um, the it- whole
0: "I want to chuck the meat to Lady Spider" <laughs> was really kind of creepy. And it was supposed to be. It was
2: supposed to be creepy. I, I, I saw. I think it was on Bleeding Cool. Um, so it was a little clickbaity, but the idea that May Riley is standing in as sort of the a champion for those who hate the idea that people call women who follow comics and other geek pursuits fake geeks. Um, you're not a real spider. You're. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can see that.
0: That makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah,
2: you're only here for me to ogle as an object. So if you're here, you know.
0: <laughs> I had not thought of that. That actually makes a certain amount of sense based on how this is put together. I can sort of buy into that.
2: Yeah, so that's... And having read through it, you know, I, I can see where where that analysis would be accurate. But it wasn't too heavy-handed, I don't think. it. It just served to make deimos be that much more of a dick
0: (laughs) well yeah and to me if i take on faith um that version of it that that you said the bleeding cool said that as a stand-in okay then that makes total sense to me you're not a real spider um you know yeah you're just here that i can buy that but if you take that away you know we've been watching this character and his brothers and sisters indiscriminately murdering spider avatars right in this issue he threatens to kill innocent people unless he comes at he's the first thing he does is murder spider-man
2: no absolutely so i mean what is what is keeping him from just killing her as a spider imposter why does he need to go there
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, and again assuming what you said as being sort of a stand-in for the air quote fake geek girl Accusation. Yeah. I can totally buy that. But if you take that away, it's just, it's like, uh, really? Okay. <laughs> Another yeah. rape threat? No, yeah. really? So I'm going to, uh, take the information that you have just provided me, take it to heart and say that's what they're trying to do. And then that issue goes away from me. There you go. So, <laughs> um, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Cause you know, otherwise, you know, oh, this bloodthirsty guy just wants to get his dick wet at any, duh, you're gross. <laughs> Reminds me of high school,
2: but he must have gone to the University of Virginia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, moving on. <laughs> um, and yet again, I, I liked the ending of this. Yes, you know, certainly, Damios will not stay trapped in the stasis cell, but the combination of Gabe being a regular person, being able to do something, and at least temporarily being able to stop him felt like okay. We're moving in a direction of resolution, yeah, it's been two, three weeks, really more than that, with the edge of spider verse books mm-hmm. of yep, the inheritors are bad, nothing can stop them, they'll come and kill you, yeah, the best you can do is run away, yeah, um
2: although now now I'm, I'm thinking like if if this works even a little bit you know how how do they back in the six one six get these Inheritor characters into uh, the the Hulkbuster room on like the Shield heli- helicopter carrier, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that would seem to be about right, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Um, I don't know, I don't know where it goes from here, but just the feeling like the momentum might be changing, yeah, was enough for me to be like, okay, yep, yeah, I'm fully invested now. Because last week with uh, the Amazing Spider Man issue, Spider Verse two. Mm-hmm. It was really sort of getting to the, it's like, okay, yep, yeah, they're dangerous. Uh, yeah, it's hard to get around. Can we start to move toward a resolution? And,
2: and the fact that somebody other than um Spider-Ock
0: <laughs> was yeah. able
2: to affect something that was a game changer was nice. Because if they were going to have to rely on Doc Ock, it would be, ugh, really?
0: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, overall this issue was good enough. and. Yeah I am a fan of Peter David just this character has never hooked me this was good enough I'll stick with this title for two or three months afterwards Yeah um just to see how it plays out Yeah whereas Scarlet Spider's um which was also out this week mm. was it was okay but not solid enough for me to say oh yeah if they bring Kane <laughs> back in his own book that's enough to totally put it on my pulls No this was not <laughs> this one was not smart enough for me to say yep Spider-Man 2099 goes on my pulls but it was strong enough and the characterizations were good enough. Yeah, particularly if they put him back in that time with these characters. Yeah, yeah I want to check that out for a while.
2: Although I'm curious, you know, this Deimos is um, a clone of the one that they put down in the previous issue. Potentially. No, they said he's a clone. It's, it's Okay. An, um, so what does that have to do with the spider clones? Like, what... Why do these guys get to clone themselves?
0: <laughs> well, which is something to to be resolved. And that was that was brought up in, in last week's Spider-Verse 2. Yeah. Um at least initially it looked like the conceit was just, oh, they keep cloning themselves and they never have to stop. Yeah. But there has gotta be more to it than that. I would right. hope there'd be more to it than that. But
2: Which is why I think Kane as the other is threatening to them. Possibly. So
0: it's it To me the important thing is it, it feels like it's reaching the point of okay, now we're moving toward a resolution. Yes. Fine, you've showed me how dangerous they are. Let's see how it starts to turn around. At, at least this particular issue feels like we're moving in that direction. I agree. So, all right. We got anything else? How we are how we doing on time?
2: Oh, it's about 148. Okay. <laughs> all something. right. So why don't,
0: why don't we wrap this one up? Okay. All right. So, yes, uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, our, our home website, uh, as always is crisis on com. Um, yeah, you can shoot us an email at crisis at gmail at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. We're trying to set stuff up so that we can be more active on that. Amanda and I are not really Facebook people. So,
2: despite our best efforts, uh, Facebook keeps trying to thwart us at every, every turn. Yes. <laughs>
0: but, but we're working on it. But, uh, we do if you send us messages through facebook we do receive them so please feel free to message us that uh message us that way uh you can find the link to that uh on our website we're active on twitter and yeah i forgot the twitter address what at
2: infinite midlife
0: Uh, at infinite midlife yes um we are on itunes uh if you've found this episode there do us a favor shoot us a review give us a rating um as we say every week, we make this up as we go along. So the more <laughs> feedback we can get, either by email or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, the, the better off it, the better we become to serve you. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's more dick jokes. That's the only throttle I got. So <laughs> we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. We are. Uh, are we anywhere else? Um. Besides a liquor store. The liquor store. We're at the liquor store. We're usually at the liquor store. It's you at the can corner of there. over there and this other place. Indeed. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'll be over there in just a few minutes. Yes. So, uh, this has been the Crisis on Infinite Midlife Show, episode 44. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And, uh, and Derp.
2: Your salty tears, I must have.
1: <laughs> okay.